Welcome to Dad to the Bone, where two dads sit around and talk about dad stuff. And we ask the question, how many cookies is too many cookies? What? Like, how many cookies is too many? How, how many cookies is too many? Is there a number? Is there a quantification of too many cookies? Uh, Well, according to my waistline, yes. Okay. Uh, according okay. to my heart, no. No. Um, like, my I mind think... is telling me yes, but my body's telling me no, or the other way around, or... Something, something to that not effect. Touching that. Um, <laughs> yes. said, I'm not touching that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say um, 12. 12 no, is 13. Too many? A baker's dozen. Yes. Okay. 13. So 12 is 13 too many. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm with that. That's that's a good answer. That's a good answer. Q, you got a. Uh, you got a. Uh, Wait. I thought you were taking my bit. I thought you were doing my bit. bit. The, I, I, I no want bit. you to give a, a dad joke to get us started because no. I don't have a dad joke. What do you mean I'm taking your bit? What, what bit are you talking about? A bit of my sunshine. That's all. Listen, <laughs> I, you. I you. have been having a rough day, man. And I got to tell you, man. Uh, so the thief, I think somebody stole my iPhone. I think they should FaceTime. <laughs> oh, God. What? <laughs> I do. They stole my phone. They should FaceTime oh. for it. Okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So <laughs> anyway, anyway, yo, it's wait. it's early, okay? Just it they'll, is they'll early warm in the up. season, y'all. It's early in the season. Hey, so we are on what is this episode two of season five? Yes. Um, we're bringing on our first guest of the season. You know what I mean? And so I'm super pumped about it. Um, just to give our listeners and our viewers a heads up, um, you know, we are going to have a guest every single episode moving forward of this ep- of this season, and it's this idea that we want to highlight different dads in the dad community at different points in like the dad timeline. Right. So we're going to have dads that have, you know, little babies or one or two kids or three or four kids or more multiple kids or older kids or middle of the road kids, because, you know, Q, you can share from your perspective of having, you know, three daughters who are between the ages of what, six and 12 or whatever. Oh my gosh. How dare you, sir? Don't age my kids. (laughs) <laughs> no, my baby is five and my oldest is 10, buddy. Okay, all right, yeah, yeah. So you got that and I got, you know, I got six kids under the age of 11. So we don't, we don't have a lot of like experience in the older kid range. And so it's gonna be nice to have some uh, guests on that bring that sort of element to it and, you know, bring some diversity uh, from their fatherhood perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to hear what I, the future has to come. I mean, I was told uh, to get ready, which yeah. scares me. Yes. So today, today, our first guest of the season, you can probably see it going on the little ticker across the bottom of the screen, is Eric Cito. And so, Q, you want to bring Eric in here? And we Absolutely. will welcome him and uh, get to know a little bit about him. So, dude, Eric. Eric where's welcome. Where's, where's, where's my intro music? <laughs> I don't, right? I, if you had been on like two episodes later, you might have got it. <laughs> so just a little... Hey. Eric, little note for, is too many cookies. How many? Too many cookies? Yeah. Mm-mm. Wait, are you talking like you're talking about literal cookies, right? This isn't like <laughs> in the window. cookies, my man. Because you, you like pre-show, you asked like we're going to talk about how you had your kids. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Whoa, cookies. I don't have a sensor button on this thing, guys. <laughs> it's what's it's nine thirty. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, there's no, there's not, there's no, there's no limit. Uh, see, the problem is, 
my wife gets this, she has this, it's, I think it's Trader Joe's has this tub of cookies. that are like this big, right? Yes, 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 yes. I know oh, exactly what you're talking about. Which basically if you're like, it's like, remember the cookie crisp cereal is like, yeah. yeah. So it's not fair. Cause I will eat maybe three quarters of that in a sitting. And that's probably like 30 or 40 cookies. For sure. so, They're cookies that are about this big. I mean, if, if, if you're eating a cookie cake, like, you know what I mean? Like two. Cookie. That's true. So, right. So contact. Listen. It's a um, mind, it's a mind trap. Yes. I'm going to tell you guys something. It's a little trick I do in my office. So when I have clients come to my office, I used to start out with having like the big size candy bars. Nobody would eat it. Then I would get like the smaller size, the miniature, right? And then I finally made it to like the to the miniature size. And so people feel better eating 15 of those rather yeah. than one of the big one. It's like yeah. amazing. I'm with that. I'm with that. So Eric, about you, man. So you have three boys. Right. Yeah. Tell us about your boys. How old are they? What's the deal? All right. So three boys. Uh, oldest is Nicholas, who's 20. Uh, he'll be 21 in February. So. So you um, had him when you were like seven. I was or eight 10. Or? I was 10. Yeah. You were 10. Okay. Yeah. It wow. was, um, Young yeah. bloomer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks. Yeah. I'm the, by the way, the intro, you're like, yeah. So it's really, it's going to be cool to get like really old men on who have like really old kids. <laughs> you know, I like literally felt myself. I felt like I felt the gray. <laughs> Like the whole time, like I was like, wow, that's yeah. great. These then, guys that had kids like back in like the 70s. It's, it's good thing I didn't have a like a, a bumper intro because it probably would have been like, you know. Yeah. Welcome 70s back, Cotter. Yeah, some <laughs> yeah. 70s, right? Or, or like Saturday so, Night Fever or something. Which I do remember very well. It does age me. So Nicholas is, is 20. Sam uh, is 18. And youngest is Lucas, who's 14. And so, you know, three boys um, all, uh, you know, teen and in early twenties, all three at home. Thanks COVID. Um, nice. for that. Uh, so yeah, my, my, I used to have a man cave and it is now a dorm room. Okay. Yeah. There so you go. So, okay. So three kids and, uh, and you're married, correct? Yes. I'm married. Man. What a what? brave woman, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, do, did, by the way, did we get a dad joke? Where was the dad joke? I was waiting. You didn't for get it. No, what was it? I didn't hear it. Oh, see, so the dad joke was it was kind of baked into the show. Uh, so we, Sam, that's what I mean. He stole my bit. So we do this little thing. I tell the joke. They pretend like they don't hear it. Um, so it was like I lost. So someone took my iPhone, and so so my iPhone. So should they Facetime? Like, cause you can Facetime on your iPhone. Like, <laughs> oh, I didn't FaceTime. know that. I'm really old. Okay. All right. Yeah, it was. What, what's an iPhone? What's them, uh, what? Is that one of them intelligent phones? <laughs> so, I, I mean, I thought it was a good joke. I thought it was a good joke. Nobody, <laughs> you guys didn't seem to laugh too much. But. <laughs> if you no, I was, like, joke, it, it's just, I, I was like thinking of like, Dad, I'm like, all right. Um, my wife said I had no sense of direction. So I packed up my bags and write. <laughs> That's good. It's That's a delivery. Good. All right. So, yes, I'm married. Yes, you're married. I'm married. My, look, my ADD medication wore off like three hours ago. Just cool. so this I is mean, the wrong group, then, buddy, because we have to handle very quickly. So yes, married uh, 23 years. Um, wow. Met my my wife. Uh, I was in college and and so uh, dated seven and had a kid when you were ten. That's right. That's right. So three years uh, dated and and. Um, it's uh, it's amazing. I, so you said, don't know how how deep we're gonna go in to this, but I I will say this. You know, I, I love. Um, uh, so I've I've been in in pastoral ministry twenty two years, bivocational executive, 
uh, in marketing for a lot of years. But um, one of the things that that uh, love to talk about is actually love and um, you know the English language. Like we say, love the word love for like I oh I love eating a you know a tub of cookies. I love you know. Uh, that movie. I love my wife. Like, it's, you know, so, so, um, but there's Wait, some a, people do say it like it's questionable. Like they're like, well, but, yeah, but I love like my wife. <laughs> having well, the same word, you know, for all these different contexts, you know, and then, yeah. and then Greek there's, there's like seven, eight different words. Yeah. And um, uh, I will say this. So uh, the Eros love, you know, that initial attraction and, yeah, the and it's beautiful. Right. Um, but I love the the Greek word um, uh, pragma, pragma love, um, and that love by definition is a love that only comes through time, experience. Uh, so, like you can't have pragma love for someone that you just met or that you yeah. just you know. So it's 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 really um, interesting, fascinating in 23 years of marriage to say you know I loved my wife the day I married her compared to now, right? So I loved her with everything I could then 23 years of picking up my underwear later. Um, yeah. Pragma love, like the, that, that love of like going through loss. You know, I mentioned the three boys we have, we, we had a stillborn daughter um, uh, in between our second and third going through, you know, grief, going through loss, going through some really hard times. So, um, uh, that was just a little free, you know, like preacher, pastor kind of moment. Yeah, there, yeah, you know. yeah. But, no, but that, that so twenty three years. Um, the the cool thing about that is is that that the love now compared to then, um, and I love that word pragma, uh, that pragma love of of a lot of years of experience and and knowing that you know the reason why I know she loves me now is because she literally knows every possible yeah. worst thing, quirk, every issue I have. And still, you know, decided to stick around at least one more day. So, yeah, yeah geez, that's that's, no, that's my wife. So you mentioned you're in ministry. What is your bivocation? What is the what kind of executive work do you do? Yeah, so so I've been a, a corporate marketing executive for uh, many years. Um, what, what does that mean? What is what is what is yeah, that? Sure. So, uh, <laughs> so most recently, um, uh, left about a year. Uh, or so ago, but I was six years at uh, Crane Communications as uh, director of marketing and communications for the company. So handled all internal oh, communications, external communications, PR, um, branding, the corporate Eric. website, social media, all that stuff. Yeah. Why didn't I meet you when I was trying to get on Crane's list of 40 under 40? <laughs> oh, man. You know what? That was such a, a rough day for me um, when I turned 40 and I was working at Crane. I realized I, I would, I, I'll never be able to be list. on them. Yeah. Listen, I got close to being highlighted for that list or yeah. being nominated. But then I, 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 I hey, listen, <laughs> this is it. So this is the truth. So the role I started out at Crane's Detroit business and then ended up at is the corporate, you know, the head of corporate marketing for the whole company. And it was funny because we would we would have stories about the company that was newsworthy. And we would try and get like Crane's Detroit business, Crane Chicago business to to carry stories about Crane Communications. It, it it was harder for me to get a story about our own company in than because so, there's such a separation um, of you know that that integrity of journalism. You know, not just so. I, yeah, it it actually probably would have hurt your case to have me <laughs> okay. uh, because it, it. I mean, it's such a great 
news organization and and man we could do a whole separate podcast on the uh, journalism and just kind of the failing of journalism now but no mm-hmm. yeah it, it wouldn't have helped but uh, so yeah. anyways that that was my role um marketing uh social media website um uh, gosh things like sending out about 50 million emails a month um to subscribers and and uh, yeah. uh three or four or five different um uh e-newsletters a day and um, so yeah, that, that was my role. And, um, for most of, uh, my time, I was also in pastoral ministry, uh, youth pastor, associate pastor, and then, yeah. uh, f- uh, five and a half years as lead pastor, uh, of a church. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was a lot. That, was a- with all that going on and all the craziness, cause I'm sure the corporate life is, is pulling at your attention, pulling at your time. The ministry life is pulling at your attention, pulling at your time, all of that. How did you balance sort of, and, you know, being married the entire time, having children, experiencing loss of a stillborn daughter in the midst of all that, what did you intentionally do? How did you, how did you manage to balance fatherhood, uh, you know, dad, Eric with executive Eric, with pastor Eric, with crazy Eric. I mean, like, how did you, how did that, like, what did you take intentional steps in, like focusing on being a dad and yeah. elevating that in priority and stuff. And like, well, like so, how did that work? Yeah. The difficult thing for me is I was actually third generation, um, uh, preacher's kid, pastor's kid. Okay. Uh, my grandfather founded, um, the, the church I grew up in my, my, uh, stepfather and my mother were lead pastors for about 20 years. Um, and then my wife and I, so, so growing up in ministry and kind of growing up where, um, my dad was also bivocational for most of the time he was a uh, pastor. Um, the family church, um, t- it was, was all kind of one thing. Okay. Um, so like growing up, like our vacations were going to convention or <laughs> revivals, you know, yeah, going, yeah. going to, um, other, so a lot of, a lot of our family time, uh, we had this running joke, our, our middle son, Sam, um, we used to say, you know, Sam's really the pastor of the church. Like he, he would go with me and early in the morning, um, he would, uh, uh, set up, you know, like communion if we were doing communion. And so, so a, a lot of our time was actually just that, that, that time of, um, ministering together as a family. Um, and honestly, I, I, I'll, and, and by, by the way, when we say bivocational, uh, if people don't know what that means. So that's a, a term used for, uh, pastors or people in ministry um, who uh, they they serve in in a in a ministerial role like a pastor or <laughs> leadership, and they have a, a job um, outside of of church or or ministry, yeah. uh, not just church. I mean, you know, it, it, it could be any other faith or, or uh, belief religion. So like um, we all sometimes have like yeah. a a bi vocational yeah. type career. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, one of the things I. I kind of I'm interested in hearing you talk about, you know, as a marketing and a business professional, you know, one of the challenges that we always hear about is this old thing, great thing called work life balance. And how do you you know, and you you just hit the nail on the head with that, that noise is that. It's like this thing of like, yeah, there's such a thing as work-life balance. And as someone like, I think, who's yeah. a little bit further down the line from us, you know, someone is like, you you have had to have a tremendous balance. The, the thing I like you talking about is how it all just kind of integrates and meshes together. And so, yeah, um, how... well, I got to tell, tell on myself, I got to be honest, I, I didn't. I didn't okay. Have, I didn't have good 
work-life balance. I didn't. Um, so the, here's the, here's the honest truth. Um, I, I carried over a lot of just kind of bad habits. Um, you know, being pastor of a, of a, a smaller congregation, not being full-time, um, in ministry, having to work, you know, two jobs really. Cause people would say, so you're not a full-time pastor. And I'd be like, well, there's no time during the week that I'm not a pastor. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> right. It's not like, it's not like, Oh yeah. Okay. It's, 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 uh, eight o'clock on Saturday morning. I'm, I'm a pastor now. Um, and honestly, uh, so, so let me, let me finish the story. Okay. I said, I used to be a corporate executive. I also used to be a lead pastor. Um, I left crane in January of 2019. Um, cause I just knew that, uh, you know, that time and, and that what I had done on the job and in my career in the city of Detroit, some of the things that initiatives I had done, um, just felt like, you know, just kind of mission accomplished. And also just what I felt like, you know, just kind of what God had, had placed me there for uh, was done. Um, and so focus more on the church. And then about seven months into just full-time ministry at the church, uh, we made the decision to um, actually help launch a new church and, and, and close the previous church. And honestly, it's been a year. Uh, so, so since September of last year, um, I haven't uh, preached from a pulpit. I haven't worked a, a, a corporate job. I, I, I took a year sabbatical and um, I didn't realize um, how badly I needed it. I didn't realize how badly my family needed it. Um, there's a principle, um, biblical principle called Sabbath. And um, uh, I don't know if I heard this or read this, but I, I remember um, someone saying uh, that years and years and years went by where this, this pastor didn't actually honor the Sabbath, did not take time. So I don't know how you guys are, but like there's, there's no day of the week. Yeah, there's no day of the week to re to rest or yeah. recuperate. Uh, matter of fact, Sundays were my my busiest days of the week, right? Yeah. So, but this this person was was really praying about this, and God was kind of you know just put this on their heart and said, you know, you owe me just like you know tithe or offer. You owe me years of Sabbath that you didn't take. That Sabbath wasn't actually something just for ourselves. Sabbath is something we owe to God, hmm. and so. Um, it's almost like my year of sabbatical is, is paying back to God and to my family and to myself, what I didn't do for years and years and years. Well, how, of, do you, how do you see? So right now your kids, you said they're 20, they're 18 and they're 14. Right. That's right. That's and right. so you feel like you had sort of an unhealthy balance. How long do you think you had an unhealthy balance in your uh, 20 year old's life the whole time? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much the entire time. And so uh, how, how has this past year affected him and 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 the eighteen year old? Because they're yeah. those are such pivotal ages, man. Twenty yeah. is like you're starting to really figure out life. Eighteen, yeah. you think you're figuring out life. Fourteen, you think you already got life figured out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but you know what I mean. It's like so. One is um, one of the things that we did. I think was really important is we really made it uh, clear. And my so my wife is this. She's the She's the glue, right? So she is the one that always made sure that, you know, we had that separation, especially with the boys, um, that, that church did not just dominate and church came first all the time. Yeah. Um, so she kept me grounded and, you know, she would, she would do everything, you know, to make sure that we're doing family time. Um, but, you know, just to give an example for in, in 22 years of pastoral ministry, um, there probably wasn't a year that I took more than two weekends off. Wow. In 22 years. Um, 
And and kind of one of the breaking points was uh, last year uh, we got the the one Sunday we got away um, on a on a weekend, and um, that Sunday I'm I'm like checking the live stream from downtown Holland and you know making sure everything's going and you know checking make sure everything's running smooth and um, we get home and and you know some of our leaders uh, my wife was like so how did it go and 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 she's like oh it's it was it was it was good everything was fine and she's like what happened what happened and um, long story short, only about a third of, of our church showed up that Sunday. It was like yeah. attendance was down. Uh, the, the worship, there was a, you know, a loop playing, you know, and the loop like went out. And so they had to start worship all over and just, yeah, yeah. and, and, it, and honestly, it was, it was almost like harder to go than, than it was to stay. And that's unhealthy. And so, um, this past year of understanding and realizing now, especially, um, just just how unhealthy physically mentally emotionally just putting so much time effort and energy and not restoring um what we feel like god is directing us actually my wife and i are starting a new ministry called loving leaders and that's going to be our focus is actually working with leaders be it pastors ceos uh, we've got politicians i've got celebrities who are just they have run themselves absolutely ragged um and not just for like you know a lot of people think of that that uh, career person, like they're just going after money or I was running myself ragged, trying to save lives, trying to keep yeah. people like alive. Yeah. Um, and so just understanding um, emotional health, mental. I, I So the past year I've been, I've, I see a therapist every Wednesday. Like I see a therapist yeah. and it's been so good. So just learning awesome. more about yeah, my health awesome. and then also being so open, especially with my boys about mental health, about the importance of physical health, about Mm -hmm. rest, um, uh, just kind of taking all these expectations. It's like we have a whole generation of parents who now are living vicariously through their kids that they have to be, you got to get into into school. You got to, and we weren't raised that way. I wasn't, you know, Oh wait, time out. Weren't we raised that way? Cause I I guess I was back on in there and say, I was kind of raised that way. I was told, like, look, you're going to be the first one, first right. male in our family to go to college. First you, one to go to me, same. You have first to one get to go good to grades. You have yeah. to do this. Yeah. You have to do yeah. that. And I, I got to be honest with you. It put me on this hamster wheel. You know, as I listen to you talk, I've been on that hamster wheel. And I am actually yeah. redefining for myself what what manhood is as I go and what it That's means right. to be successful as I go. Because to your point, um, I've just now literally gotten to the point where I'm willing to say, all right, if I'm going to add something, it means I need to take away something else because of this yeah. uh, toxic, I won't even call it masculinity, but this this toxic picture of what is success. Right. And, right. you know, it, it was through having kids and having to redefine myself where I said, like, I, I believe it. My mantra is, you know, I don't care if I'm ever called president, uh, director, right. CEO again. Yeah. My greatest title is father. My greatest title is to be here with my kids, and and if yeah. I could be the world to them, and and you know, be nothing than nobody else, I just that'll make my day. It's just this exactly. It's so it's so interesting how quickly you can lose yourself in the chase for what you think you want to be, That's and so true. lose sight of who you you are, and 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 everything. And so you know, you two are the biblical folks. So I won't go there with it, but. You guys know it's it's still true though. You know, I mean, it it that principle you 
you can't lose yourself. And, you know, when to hear you talk about taking a sabbatical, it's just, it, I can't tell you how refreshing that is to my, to my mind and well, to my to, soul, because for me to hear you say you're going to a therapist and you're taking mental health seriously and all that, oh, yeah. that, that, that's rings true with both of us, man. We think that's awesome. And I'll tell you, yeah, therapy. I mean, as someone who goes to a therapist, I can tell you it is, it is yeah. life changing for men who have to have to shift their paradigms of life. Right from to the idea of who you thought you should be to who you are and reconciling those. And so it's, um, you know, it's cool for you to share that with your kids. How do they receive that? Like, how do your kids receive those lessons? So it, it's, it's been really, so um, I mentioned, you know, like ADD, uh, I have ADD. My, my youngest son does as well. So being able to relate to him, um, like we had a long conversation today about um, when people think of ADD or ADHD, they, they think about hyperactive, like, a, but really it's, it's, um, it's not like this, you know, Oh, shiny penny squirrel. It's more, uh, the no, biggest, that's what it is for it, me. Well, but the <laughs> biggest true. issue, at least for me and for my son, and, and there's like eight different kinds of ADD based on where it, your brain isn't firing. But, um, the biggest issue is just lack of motivation, uh, just not being able to like do something that you should be able to do. And, um, but, but having those conversations with him, very open, um, not, so I spent, I, I, I didn't really treat my ADD until I was in my late thirties and spending most of my life feeling guilty about being lazy or, you know, why can't I just try harder or God forbid, especially, you know, Pentecostal, Pentecostal, um, you know, I just got to pray or just got to, you know, more faith or just got to believe harder. Um, and, and for a lot of years, you know, not just our church, a lot of churches, um, you know, depression or, you know, these are just demonic forces. We just got to pray and without, you know, and it's, and, and on it, so let me give you a quick side note story. And can like, I call that like what, uh, for folks not in the church, I call it what it is. It's like you call being, being a chump or you're just soft. That, yeah. Right. You, know. you just yeah, gotta, that, yeah, just, what, yeah. or, or you're making excuses, like just take, you know, man up, yeah. just own up. And so yeah. I would beat myself up until my grandmother got Alzheimer's oh. and I watched this sweet, amazing, never said a harsh word in her, the most angelic woman of all time become angry and cursing and, and mean and realizing that this isn't a, a moral character failure, character flaw. No. This isn't a, a demonic for, and, right. and also the thought of if she could just take one pill a day and not forget and not cuss and not hit people, yeah. we wouldn't think anything of it. We'd give yeah. anything to be able to do that. But here I was like, you know, I can't, I just can't focus. I can't, I just got to try harder. I got to pray harder. I got to believe. And, and knowing, you know, I could just take a pill and not have that problem. It, it, it took me looking at my grandmother and saying she has Alzheimer's don't think it, or, or if it was, you know, someone had a, a, a um, high cholesterol, anything else, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm, I'm taking medication for my, for my blood pressure, but something about when it's the brain, you know, or, you know, you think it's, it's this, it's this, oh, you can just control it. You just got to work harder. And, yeah. and so learning and studying and, and understanding, no, my prefrontal cortex is not firing. The synapses are not firing properly it, uh, when I should be focusing. And it actually goes to the, you know, fight or flight part of my brain, just be allowing myself that grace and understanding 
So, and then using that as a way to now talk to my boys about the same thing, about social anxiety, about stress, about anxiety. Um, Let me me ask you this. Your, you said your dad was in ministry and the whole deal. Did, was this something that you had to arrive at on your own or your dad shared with you, not to his detriment or anything. I don't want to talk about it whatever, but is this like conversations that he had with you? So therefore you were ready to have these conversations or is this something you arrived at on your own or did something happen that you were like, this is it. I'm at a breaking point. I got to figure this out. No, no. And, and you're right. Like, so this is in no way, shape or form uh, anything about my, my, parents who are awesome amazing it was a different they're, time, different generation. their entire generation and yeah. I, and myself growing up um you know and and let me also say um certainly there are um things in our life that you know if, if you do believe in you know kind of uh, evil forces good and evil um certainly i mean there, there's things in our life that can um, try and come against us um but you got to realize this isn't I mean, one of them though neuro, neuro, neuroscience is is about 15 years old like the the ability to actually image the brain and this isn't like 2034 i mean this is like a really short amount of time and you're talking about a generation before us that grew up with one flew over the cuckoo's nest and right. and and <laughs> you know insane asylums and shrinks right so um no the, the, this is not something you know parents as a matter of fact I'll tell my wife a little bit. Even when I told her, I said, you know, I, I really, I, I remember I was one day just sitting at my desk and at work and I had to get things done. I'm like, I'm going to get fired if I don't do these things. So I, I did a to-do list and wrote down the things I needed to do. And I sat and I stared at that to-do list for 30 minutes and I, <laughs> I could not do a single thing on it. And I said that something is wrong. Yeah. And so I, I went and told my wife, uh, I said, I, I think I need to get treated for 80 i think i need to take medication and she was not having it she's like yeah i don't hey, can like I just that. affirm you for yeah. a sec because yeah. i've been there before and yeah. maybe not from that perspective but i've made that beautiful list and been like okay now what yeah <laughs> like, i just can't, I just can't. And, and if you have a so again i'm, I'm not a doctor but i do want to maybe this is what we need to focus on especially kids with add because they need to hear an adult's explain what's going on. So what happens is when you try to focus, it actually makes it harder. And again, prefrontal cortex that, that is kind of like the outer part of the brain, the most developed part that handles logic and reason and, and order. Um, the blood leaves that there's Dr. Amen, A-M-E-N has done studies, thousands of, of brain scans. The blood leaves this part of the brain and, and literally goes back to like flee. So it's as if it's, it's just like, uh, and I was explaining this to, to someone today. It's like if, if the part of the brain that handles sight, if it is damaged, you can't see. Like, like right. there's, there, there's no amount of like. You can't will yourself part. to see so, if that's messed up. <laughs> so when you're trying to do something and if, you're bre- if the blood leaves your prefrontal cortex, you cannot do it. It, mm. it, is, it feels like a paralysis. So n- going through that experience, one is a pastor changed everything, right? So my ministry, so we would do, I would do symposiums. We, we did health events on resilience and mental health, uh, very open. And I just, again, I believe God, you know, put me through all oh, these yeah, experiences, totally. be so open, but be, be able to tell my boys, listen, um, you're dealing with anxiety. Um, you know, it's okay. It, it, what you're doing, it's a coping mechanism. Um, 
there's just a lot of things that that it's it's helped open up the conversation and we're very open and i think that is the 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 biggest outcome of all this is yeah i didn't do it right for a lot of years but fortunately you know we're we're doing it right and and walking through with uh i'm a huge Brene brown fan if you never heard of Brene oh, yeah. brown Empathy, and, absolutely yeah. but but the vulnerability and just being so open and honest, it not only helped me as a person, it helped me as a pastor and as a preacher. Yeah. How many times people have come up to me and and I'll preach on something, you know, mental health. People just come up in tears and say, you know, Pastor, I've never heard anyone um, actually talk about mental health this way. You know, usually I'm I'm just told, you know, you just gotta, you're lazy, you just gotta try harder. You know, you just gotta. That's a lot of people, beef, I feel like, yeah. church and and a lot of different religious organizations and things is that they're they're their um i guess rejection of science their rejection of you right. know mental health issues and things like that i think and i think it's beautiful that you're bridging that gap for people yeah. and recognizing that you know it's a, it's a real thing and i think it's really cool like you said you know not again not throwing shade at your dad or whatever but that's not really a conversation you guys had if you had had that conversation your life would have been totally different now but now you see that you recognize that and you say you know what right. I'm going to intentionally have those conversations with my kids. That's right. Think about the conversations that they're going to be able to have with their kids and how much more receptive they are and knowledgeable they are of mental health and how important it is to a young, I mean, a 14 year old, 18 year old and 20 year old. Those are such pivotal ages and such pivotal times in their life right. where anxiety, social anxiety, stress, uh, fear of the unknown, all, you know, apathy, all of these things can come into play yeah. and have that open line of communication with their parents to say, Hey, can I be honest about this? And their parents saying, okay, listen, can I be honest about this? <laughs> you know what right. I mean? That is so huge. So, so leading, so vulnerability. And, and I will say this, this is, there's a couple things my wife and I have done, I think, well, um, through all these years. So we hear a lot of parents saying things like, um, you should never apologize to your kids or you should never tell them you were wrong. Oh, and God, no. That's and so it's wrong. like, are you in? So, um, I mean, there's a number of times where, again, so you're talking about like stress and everything going on. And then you turn and you take it out on your kids and you just, you know, snap at the boys or just yell at them for something stupid. And, and, you know, my wife is of course right there to be like, um, yeah, you, you were just a, a jerk. Like you were really mean. And, and like, you know, well, you know, <laughs> I was right though. And, and, and then just coming down and, and then being able to go to your children and say, look, um, I was wrong. I, sh you, you didn't deserve that. I should not have treated you that way. And if we cannot show our children vulnerability yeah. and that we can own up to our issues and be open and honest about, and, and not just say I was wrong, but to say, listen, um, I'm, I'm stressed out. I I'm dealing with a lot of stuff right now. And, mm -hmm. um, it wasn't like this. We're, we have to, maybe this is our nice segue into parenting. Um, that has been the one thing I think that we've done well is really recognizing our job as parents is not to protect our kids from every bad thing that's going to happen. Cause that's kind of how I was raised. Like you can't do anything bad and we're going to make sure of that by now. Um, but to train and prepare our children um, for being really the, in control of their own life. You, you can make decisions and it's your life, it's your choice, but you have to live with the consequences. 
and you can't come to me, you know? So, I mean, and, and uh, there's a, a book in a series called growing kids God's way uh, by the Ezos um, that, that many years ago we did, but also trained. One of the things they talk about is parenting within a funnel. So age appropriate, but uh, uh, not only allowing, but teaching your children how to make choices yeah. for yes. themselves Dude. and then allowing them to have to live with the consequences. Well, it's funny yeah. you mentioned that because I was going to talk to ask I gotta, you about gotta your, plug this in real quick. I'm listening though. Go ahead. I was going to ask you about um, when you, when you're approaching like vulnerability with your kids, you know, my thoughts were when you're talking about how you're intentional about it, like with your older kids though, you know, as we talk about that teenage brain and we talk about that 14 to 18 year old, like you're, you're invincible at those age and you know, your, your poop doesn't stink. And you know, who, who is this old man to tell me he doesn't know what drip is. He doesn't know what, you know, what uh, I, I feel like swag is an old work now, but you know, mm-hmm. he doesn't know how to, how to have style now. So, you know, how, how does that conversation go when you're trying to talk to somebody, you know, you're, you're talking to a young man about yeah. vulnerability and about how it doesn't make you a lesser of a person. Like, is that receptivity there? Is that? Well, so you're right. Like kids don't care what you say. Right. Um, but they watch everything you do. So, and, so, so to go, go back to the Ezos, another thing they talk about is, is we, we are filling up our, ch- our children are like warehouses and we're filling up their warehouses um, with things that will stay with them the rest of their life. And even though it may not, they may not seem like they're paying attention. They may not seem like, um, you know, they're, they're listening to anything you're saying. Um, but everything you do, um, how you act how, and, and also think it's almost easier to think about it in this negative sense of, so imagine if you grew up in a home where there was a lot of verbal abuse and emotion or even physical abuse, um, or, or let's say no physical, abuse, but emotional, verbal, um, you may not as, as a child, cause your rational brain isn't fully developed until 25. You, you don't logically understand you mean that you're 45, 25, but <laughs> no, 45, 45 is, I mean, it, it starts growing at 25. So okay. you don't understand that you're being abused, but the core beliefs that are established in you, they will stay with you the rest of your life, like guilt, shame, and all those other things. Mm-hmm. So in the inverse, I mean, I honestly, I don't have, it It feels weird because you're right. Like my kids are cool. And I'm like, I don't try to be, it's like, son, let's sit down and have a talk. Um, No, that I know that that's not it. It's when I say things like, man, I'm stressed out. I see a therapist. I have ADD. I treat these things that they're, they're listening. They're watching. I'm, I'm living vulnerability. And then when we do have to have a talk, um, it, it's not this like weird thing. Where's this coming from? They, we've, we've filled their house, their warehouse, um, with moral guides and standards because of the way that we've lived. And that's, I think the, so, uh, kids get a bad rap because what we always viewed as rebellion is actually, um, kids, young adults feeling like they have no control over their life. Um, so they, they can't make decisions for themselves. They don't feel autonomy in their own lives because we waited until 17 years old to start letting, you know, our kids actually make choices, but also live with the consequences of their choices. Again, age appropriate choices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, um, 
And then all of a sudden, like, okay, you, you know, I'm, I, you're, you're not doing that. You're like, all of a sudden now I gotta, I gotta get strict on them. Cause they're going to be leaving in a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you missed the boat. Like you, you needed to start way back there and start instilling these principles of saying, look, my job is not to keep you safe. My job is not to keep you from doing anything, but my job is to prepare you to live outside of this home. That is my job. Yeah. 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 And yeah. And when, and when parents feel like their kids aren't ready because they didn't do that, now I gotta, I can't let them mess up. I gotta tell them what to do. I gotta control their life. So I'll just say this, like you can talk all day long, but kids are smart. Like mm-hmm. you can't be a hypocrite. Your words mean nothing. If you're not living it, if oh, you're not man. doing it, if you're not showing them, the vulnerability, then you can say, well, do as I say, not as I do. No, sorry, dad. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't see, work like that. Here's yeah. my question to you about, here's my deal with hypocrisy. Cause it like, for the hypocrisy is always a, it's always a, a, a trigger for me because uh, to be honest with you, I think we're all hypocrites. I think we all fall short of our own measuring sticks and that, yeah. that we measure ourselves by how do we, how do we teach our kids? And I'm throwing this out there to both of you guys because I struggle with this. Mm-hmm. It's it's always like to me, I always see hypocrisy or being a hypocrite is like this thing we call people. And it's like it's this thing. I think it's another thing we all struggle with. Like we've all missed the mark. So how do we how do we help yeah. them to understand like that's, you know, that, yeah, you're going to be a little bit of hypocrite. And that's a part of the learning curve. Like, I, think you're gonna, goes, I think it goes to what Eric was just saying, too, of like. You know, when you said you tell your kids, hey, I'm sorry, I messed up. Hey, like that happened. I mean, literally this morning, um, you know, we got to get four of our six kids out the door by 715 in the morning, right, to get to school on time. That's brutal. That's brutal. We have a, what, a preschool, we have a kindergartner, a second grader, a third grader, and a fifth grader, right? So we're trying to get shoes on, get lunches packed, get teeth brushed, hair done, the whole deal. And so it gets stressful. And so my wife and I this morning, we're tit for tat. We're, we're, you know, whatever. Loving on each other. Right. (laughs) Right. I mean, it was, it was not a peaceful, calm preschool, like leading up to. And so it it was, you know, it was rough this morning. And so I got all the kids in the car and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa." I got them all back out of the car. We came back in, we were late for school, but I brought them back in the side and I said, everybody give mom a hug. Everybody give me a hug. And I said, listen, guys, here's the deal. We're sorry for today. We're sorry that mom and I were kind of rough with each other. Like, not rough, but like, you know. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, you're arguing. Yeah, we were rough with you guys, like John and whatnot, trying to rush everything. And it was like, I feel like for us, it was, I feel like a lot of parents don't do that. They just kind of like, all right, let's go, whatever. The kids don't care. They don't know. Right. But when you take the time to say, hey, listen, we're sorry. Mm-hmm. Today was a bad day. You know, I, I said, we woke up a little bit late. We're really tired. We got a lot on our mind. Things are going on. And so this is why we acted that way. It's not okay. But yeah. we're sorry. Does my kindergartner fully understand that? No, probably not. But will my fifth grader remember that? I think he will. And I think well, this is the that. benefit, though, that you get from having two parent homes. Like you learn how to deal with conflict resolution. So it's not just seeing you guys. It it actually is seeing you guys fight like cats and dogs. Right. And maybe even yell and scream if I'm being yep. honest and say things you shouldn't. You definitely should not say. I'm not going to say you kind of shouldn't. You yeah. definitely should not say. But yep. then find a way to reconcile and to forgive and to hug and to love. Like in that moment you talked about Absolutely. when you bring them back in, you know, you say, Hey, this is more important. It's so, so it's interesting. Um, conflict resolution is so important and, and you're right. Like 
everyone like people will disagree there, you know, um, and yeah, two parent homes. What like one of the biggest issues we had at church uh, in pastoring was actually blended families or single moms. And, and so, you know, just how, how do we deal with, um, you know, mom and is here, dad's over there. And one of the things that's really important is, and this is why I said about understanding um, what our job is as parents. Our job is not to keep our kids from any bad things or any, our job is to train them in a safe and age appropriate way that life is about conflict resolution. Life is about dealing with some bad things happening and, and learning how to overcome results. Life isn't always leave it to beaver, you know, yeah, oh, GB even that, that, that you know, um, uh, my, uh, well, I would say the people, um, single moms in, in our lives, people, and, and they feel like, Oh, I'm, I'm worried about, you know, my daughter or my son. Um, they're, they don't have a dad. And, and I say, listen, um, whatever the norm is in your home, when they feel loved and they understand, um, that this is the norm, they, they will, they will come. I, so I was, you know, my biological father, um, uh, and my mom, divorced early uh eventually my mom remarried stepdad so there was there was a period of a couple of years where um you know raised by a single mom and i didn't know i didn't know what a you know two family i, I just knew i was loved in that environment and where i was but you're right the, so hypocrisy so what is hypocrisy hypocrisy is presenting yourself one way but then you don't you don't live what you're saying or the way you're presenting yourself with vulnerability you can't be a hypocrite that's the beautiful oh, oh, thing do about tell, do tell me more. <laughs> so when vulnerability, um, you can't be vulnerable and a hypocrite at the same time. Because vulnerability is opening up those those dark places. Right. Hypocrisy is I'll say this, but when but I won't do it. And I won't admit that. I, so vulnerability is grace. It bridges that gap. Yeah. I, I wanted I want this to be the principle and the the moral that we live by. I didn't do it, right? So I'm not a hypocrite. I just wasn't able to to live up to that, and th and now I have to verbalize that I I didn't live up to that principle. Hypocrisy okay. is hypocrisy is um you know boys you, you we don't yell we don't yell and then we get stressed and shut up shut up <laughs> you, know, you you just you were just a hypocrite because. We don't yell. We don't raise our voices e at each other, kids. You know. Wait, you weren't intimidating me. You weren't. Yeah. In, uh, in <laughs> yeah. So, so I just I went against the principle. Okay, now vulnerability says, you know what, boys? I'm sorry um, uh, for yelling at you because we don't yell at people. Like that is a that is a principle in our home. So it's not I'm a, I was a hypocrite because I did the thing I wasn't supposed to. You're only a hypocrite if you can't admit and and confess and repent when you don't live up to the standard. Cause that's the other thing our kids need to learn is we cannot always live up to the standard. We, mm -hmm. we cannot always be, we, we are human. We're going to make mistakes. And what do I do when I don't live up to the standard? I own up to it. Um, that's vulnerability too, is saying I didn't live up to the standard. It doesn't change the standard. Um, but also I'm, I'm not perfect. I need grace and, and we need to treat our kids the same way. So hypocrisy cannot exist with vulnerability. It can't. So Eric, have you noticed, have you noticed a like tangible difference in your boys 
over this over this last year since you have sort of stepped away and been intentional right now like what you're doing right now to be intentional about being a dad have you noticed a tangible difference in your boys and what is it yeah yes yeah. um uh well for one they they like joke now like you guys stop talking about your therapy so stop talking about your therapist <laughs> Um, like that was like so my like so open. Um, no, I, so it's interesting because with COVID, um, with um, being you know quarantined. So I, I have a son who's a junior in college, and and the second son who's supposed to be a freshman in college, and um, you know supposed to be living their life in Detroit at Wayne State, and now they're you know they're kind of stuck in the basement. Um, and, and then a son who is entering his freshman year of high school and he's having to do it from his bedroom. So, I mean, we're, we're talking about, and not just for us, everyone, dealing, we're talking about a mental health, like potential catastrophe right now um, with our children who are so isolated. They're, they're so de detached and disassociated. And so um, just the, the grace, um, the giving each one of them kind of space really you know, doing the checking in, making sure they're okay, um, being very open about, you know, what are you dealing with? How are you feeling? You know, what's, what are your triggers? What's stressing you out? Um, it's, it's been so important to go through that myself. Um, things like breathing exercises, um, uh, crazy side note, but I, I did a, a study thing, you know, they, checked my brain for like ADD, like potential neuro treatment. And one of the things they checked is your brain uh, breaths per second. And my breaths per second was like almost double what, you know, what they wanted the normal to be. Didn't even realize I was like kind of constantly out of breath. Yeah. Um, and so just breathing exercises and, and the calming influence. Another talking about breathing because I don't know. Right. About Another it. weird thing is my brain doesn't process stress. So I never feel like I'm stressed. Really? I never feel, yeah, I never, if you ask me if I'm stressed or I have anxiety, I would say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm no, because my brain can't process it emotionally, but my body physically does. So I'll lick my lips or I'll get a cold sore or like my, my, I'll start clenching my teeth. So I have to, I've had to learn how to listen to my body to let me know I'm stressed. And so being able to take all of these things I'm going through and learning about myself and my health and then helping my boys with the same thing. Our son, you know, had some like scabs on his finger and it's not immediately. We're not like, Oh, he must've, you know, it's like, that's a trigger. He's stressed. He's, he's, that's, that's his yeah. coping. So um, that's been really important, especially with COVID, especially with our kids. If we're not doing check-ins with our children, I don't want to say abuse, but I mean, it's pretty close to it. If we're not actually doing our check-ins, mental health check-ins with our children, and I don't care what age they are, but especially the older they are, I'm telling you, these kids in the isolation with no contact, I mean, we're, we're, we were already, um, mental health is, is the number one health issue. Um, uh, depression medication is the number one prescribed drug. Um, suicide rates for kids and teens are just skyrocketing before covid um, we have to have these open conversations with our children about their mental health in a, in a loving, caring, accepting way that's not judgmental and it's not blaming, not shaming. Um, so yes, it's, it's been crucial. And yeah, we don't, I don't sit and like, so what's the latest guy, you know, or who, you know, what's the cool slang term, you know, like yeah, yeah. we don't do that. I don't try to be that dad. Uh, I will say, 
hey, you know, what's your emotional state? What are you dealing with right now? You oh, need wow. to get outside. Oh, yeah. Did you say yeah. that like straight up? Oh, yeah. 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 No, we did that. Like we, we speak about mental, physical, emotional health on a daily basis in our home. That's it's, so it's, huge, yeah. man. Yeah. That's so huge. It's so important. So That's on the daily basis is you're, you're like, you're like, Hey, checking in. So what, what you dealing with? What's going on? Yeah. And so, and not accepting, um, no, I'm good. I'm like, no, I'm bad. That's not what I asked. Yeah. Um, yeah. how's your emotional state? Are you, are, is anything triggering you? Are you stressed? If they don't can't process helping them walk through. Okay. So are you, did you sleep well? What kept you up? Like, and, um, and understanding, you know, and this, uh, I don't pastor anymore. It would get me kicked out of the church. Understanding that things like drugs and smoking and alcohol and all these, that, that we've always just considered like these, you know, sin, demon, go to hell kind of things. Well, we're talking about people in the church because I drink bourbon and I, don't, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. definitely don't right. feel like well, I mean, it right. makes me a, a, a demon or anything. There's a whole, yeah. whole, whole lot yeah, of face guy. where you are actually going to hell. Uh, don't <laughs> get by that buck. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Um, okay. All right. But well, no, I mean, but but not looking at the fact that, like, so you know, drinking a bourbon or whatever versus like being an alcoholic, being a drug addict, be, that people don't just wake up one day like, hey, you know, be really cool is to like drink until my liver is gone, right? Um, people are dealing with some really serious traumatic stuff. Um, their coping mechanisms, they're they're numbing their pain. And um, understanding that, you know what, we all have coping mechanisms and some of them may not be the healthiest things. Um, but if, if someone is, is like smoking and I'd love for them to quit just for their health, not because you're going to hell sin just for the health. But if smoking helps them with their anxiety because they were abused and, and molested as a child and now they're dealing with that as opposed to like not being like literally not being able to like cope then you know what? Grab yourself a cigarette if that's what you need right now in this moment until we can yeah. find you a healthier coping mechanism. So um, understanding what we're dealing, what is the core of the issue and not dealing with these outward things that we've always focused on instead of like, what is going on inside? Why are you feeling this way? Where is it coming from? Um, and if we're, if we're not treating the root cause, we're only focusing on the symptoms or the outcomes, um, then we're going to continue to, to like go after the wrong things and try and get people to change behaviors that they can't even understand where it's coming from because it is so deep rooted. Uh, and by the way, any, you guys, anyone out there, if you have kids, you need to look up ACE, A-C-E. It's called the Adverse Childhood Experiences Score. And what they found, uh, scientists and psychologists have found, um, if you've experienced any traumatic events as, as a child, and there's like 10 different things, so you can have a score of like one to 10. If you have like one or two or three, your likelihood of having things like obesity, drug addiction, high blood pressure. Wait, what was that called again? ACE, A-C-E, okay. Adverse Childhood Experiences. Even just one or two adverse childhood experiences will give you 20, 30, 40% higher rates of obesity, drug addiction, smoking habits, um, high blood pressure, just from having adverse childhood experiences as a child, abuse, um, food insecurity, a, a, a divorce, a death in the family. If you start getting up into like three or four or five, you're 50 to 80% more likely to have these health issues as an adult because of things that you did not have any control over in your life. And so we're dealing with people like, why don't you just lose weight? Why don't you just, you know, 
you know, blaming people like fat shaming or body shaming people Dealing with the topical and stuff. They're, I mean, they got a scores of seven and some people in our church, they had a scores of like seven or eight. Is it the highest and, you can get? I mean, 10, right. 10. Okay. Cause I probably got and, 11. I mean, right. <laughs> so, and then guilt and shame that comes with like, why can't I just, why can't I just try harder? Like me, why can't I just focus more? Right. Yeah. And it goes all the way back to, abuse and neglect and things that you were dealing with as a child. Yeah. So, and we're only dealing with the outward thing. Well, you just need to, you know, quit smoking or you just need to, you know, cut calories or whatever. And, and so much is, is from, you know, like physical, I'm, I'm reading a book right now, the body keeps score about the mental physical connection. So I'm saying all this to say, not only checking in on your kids, but making sure that you are, and, and talk about hypocrisy. You can't do it with your kids if you're not doing it for yourself. If you're not doing that mental health, if you're not, you know, talking to someone, if you're not ready to see a therapist, I'll, you know, I'll give you my number. You give it, you know, I, I literally do counseling probably three, four times a week with different people who are just like, I don't have anyone I can talk to. So mental health, especially right now, what we're living, what we're going through right now um, has the potential to have long lasting effects on our children that will go years and, and core beliefs will be established about them that they don't even understand where it came from. If we're not addressing and being open and honest with them right now and discussing these things. Dude. And that's so huge, especially with teenagers. I remember when I was a teenager, my parents were super open about a lot of stuff with me and it made it, you know, at the, at the initial onset, I'm like, Oh mom, I don't want to talk about that or dad, come on. But yeah. when they pressed, a, just all they had to do is press a little bit. And when they did it, it just opened up such a line of communication. So here's my, here's uh, another question for you as we begin to kind of land the plane or whatever. Um, what advice, so you got an 18, 20 year old and a 14 year old. Yeah. What advice would you give Eric Cito 20 years ago at the onset of this fatherhood thing? Because yeah. a lot of our listeners are new dads or, yeah. uh, you know, dads to be, they, they're expecting kids. So they found our podcast, they're checking it out or they have, a kid that's not even in school yet. They got young kids. They're hearing all this saying, man, okay, I need to deposit this in the mental bank, use it for later. This is great tools for my middle school or my high school or college student, whatever. What advice would you give being, um, you know, so much further down the road than us? Cause yeah. you know, yeah. while you're falling off your dinosaur, we're just starting the dad thing. Um, <laughs> what advice would you give young dads that have, you know, just started sure. in the game? I always say um, it's like, what would you tell a younger you? Like, yeah. if you could go back and tell yourself anything as yeah. a new dad, what would you say? Oh, this is this is gonna be great because I have to do this on Wednesday when I have my therapy session. When I have to go back and talk to my younger me. <laughs> it is the therapy. Not, like, seriously, it it's, my, therapy it's, it's my it's my next it's my next session. It's like, all right, we're gonna. Um, so this is this is gonna be deep. Um, this will be hard. Maybe even uh, tear up a little bit. I know I will. Um, so I, I've lived. Uh, because of, of some things in my upbringing, my biological father, my mom separating um, things, my, my stepfather, just not, I never just felt connected and, and just a lot of things. Um, I didn't realize what was happening, um, but I was just getting so much shame, uh, just so much shame. So I, I lived most of my young life, like before parenthood, just convinced that I was not going to be a good dad. Um, that I, I just was not going to be a good dad. And, and then once I became a father, I just kept telling myself, I'm not going to be a good dad and I'm not going to be good and I'm not doing good enough. I, I have to try. I'm not good enough. 
And so I, I lived 22 years with just such guilt and shame that I didn't understand. It didn't make sense. And again, so to your point about logic brain starting to really develop in your forties, it's true. Like I, I had to start logically thinking like, okay, I've lived with the same wife 23 years. So I've not had an affair with, I haven't left my kids. I have not, I don't have a, I don't drink, do drugs. I'm, I'm not an alcoholic. I don't drink. I don't smoke. Like, I, I don't know what a definition of a good dad is, but I certainly am not a bad dad, but I just feel like I'm just not a good dad that I'm bad. And so that therapy and going back, and it's kind of, it's kind of a loaded question because I could go back and tell myself, 20 year old me, you're going to be a good dad. Don't beat yourself up. I wouldn't have listened. I, I wouldn't have been able to receive it because at the time, unless I really kind of understood better what was going on yeah. of this feeling of shame. Yeah. But certainly I will say this, if you are coming into um, uh, your adulthood and coming into parenthood or at that age, and you, you don't feel like you're a good, dad, you don't feel good enough. Um, the first thing you have to do is figure out where in the heck is this coming from? What, where is this coming from? Because there was, there was no reason for it. Um, there was, you know, it was like just this overwhelming feeling of guilt and shame that was just kind of there from a lot of things that were outside of my control. Um, so I, I would just start with, and call it a, a broken record or whatever, get, serious about your mental health and well-being the as early as possible. You're saying so you're saying start with you. Yeah. And then you can begin yeah. to protect your because that shame thing wasn't just this thing that I was just thinking or feeling. It literally was a mental health issue from some adverse childhood experiences that I went through. So um if you are dealing you know one get serious about mental health, understand, show yourself grace, um, realize uh, how important it is to know yourself to know how your brain works to know like how health works like how food works it's amazing all the things that we learn in school but the most important things like how to breathe how to eat properly i mean we don't learn those things no and they don't teach them in school they, they don't teach church. them school they don't teach them at church they don't teach them at home you know we get taught we get taught how to identify the legos we just never get taught how to put them together in the play set they're like right. all right so you should build a jet here are all the pieces that could go into a jet and some extras for the fun right. of it. Good luck. And so we're so we're going into parenthood, raising like whole adults, right? Out of like out of zygote, like they become like these babies that like we're responsible for these things. And and whatever we do or don't do is going to determine the rest of their lives. And the most important things that we can do for them is understanding our being the healthiest versions of ourselves. Is the best and yet, thing we it's can like, do for them. We don't Listen, think about that. This, these are all the things that we wish we had learned when we were younger. We were able yeah. to receive them, is more importantly. I wish the thing, I guess the thing I try to and like teach my kids the most and impress upon them is to be an excellent listener, be a superb listener, an active mm -hmm. listener, because yeah. it will take you so much further in life than being a supreme talker. Because yeah. If you have the ability to understand what people are trying to tell you, understand their intent, not their impact, 
understand their meaning, understand all of the thing input you're receiving, you will be yeah. so much better. And so this is something that I try and pass along to my kids and help them to understand, yes, you need to be articulate. Yes, you need to be able to talk, but you need to be able to absorb these lessons because so many people have lived them before you. You don't mm. need to repeat that cycle. You don't yeah. need to do it over again. And Eric, I just, you know, as we start to wrap this thing up, I really want to Thank you for being a part of our conversation today. And, um, you know, um, just I like to thank you for talking about shame, because I think that's something as men we don't talk about. I think when we, we talk about manhood and what it means to be a man and vulnerability, uh, we leave vulnerability and shame and and that those two pieces out like it's it's OK to admit you're not the strongest guy in the room. You're not yeah. the smartest guy always in the room, because yeah. in that is a piece. And that is an acceptance to teach them to accept themselves. And so, you know, as we start to to bring this thing home, I do want to um, thank you for, for being a guest with us today and um, really appreciate all of your insight as a dad. You know, before we, we kind of move a little bit closer to the end, do you have uh, like anywhere where people can find you, like on Facebook or Instagram? Um, I heard there's a thing called YouTube. Do you have any of those type of handles? I have all of it. So ericsito.com um you have a, a site up just for myself but yeah ecito ericsito on instagram facebook youtube all of the above um so here's here's one thing i want to share as, as we're wrapping this up um and again it's it's going to be so it's going to kind of sound funny but just to prove a point so like you said i try and teach my kids to listen right and 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 then my first thought is, but what if your kid has ADD and has auditory issues? Mm-hmm. Because some like, kids give have a hard time. Yeah. So, so with ADD, one of the issues with ADD is, is a, is a difficulty processing auditory information to like, so it's, it's easier for them to understand visual cues sometimes versus auditory. So I even like to go a step further to say, so we're talking about this like higher level, like listening is a really important skill and hearing people. And then my first thought is, all right, so what is the brain process that allows us to hear and listen and comprehend? Because we might be blaming our kids for not being good listeners and not attentive. And they, they have mental issues of not being able to process auditory um, sensory things. So also that's why I said we got to know ourselves and know our kids to also understand we're trying to teach them these very important lessons about life, about listening, about hearing. And they, they may have a physical um, block that keeps them from actually listening and hearing and turning that into like an emotional response, especially kids on the spectrum and other things. So, so that's why I keep coming back to, um, understanding and teaching our children very important lessons with the context of understanding their physical, mental health and any potential, um, uh, I, I hate to say disability. ADD is not a disability. It's a beautiful gift in a lot of ways. Um, but certainly, you know, uh, just different ways of thinking, or I think they call it neurodiverse, right? Yeah. So um, with that also saying, hey, my my one child gets it. Like they really, they're good at listening, very attentive. My other child, like he doesn't listen to the thing I say. And we're like, he's defiant. You know, he's, he's rebellious. 
No, it may not. He may not be able to process verbal cues as well. So, um, again, yeah. I, I think that's so important that that we really learn, try and get more information. I mentioned vulnerability. You mentioned, um, and I, I mentioned Brene Brown. She actually has a talk on uh, Netflix right now, like an hour long talk, and she talks a lot about this issue of vulnerability and courage aren't two separate things. vulnerability and courage are, you can't have courage without vulnerability and vulnerability takes a lot of courage. So check out Brene Brown. She has the the top TEDx or TED talk now in the world, Um, but it's so important. It's so important. Yeah. Yeah. Live twice. And she's, she's brilliant. Yeah. She is is phenomenal. She's got a podcast coming out if it isn't out already too. Um, And and if I, so one last thing, I want to say this. So this is for two parent, how this is blended families. This is single mom, single dad. Here's the most important thing. Um, if you could only do one thing and, and like mental health, if you can only do one thing and it sounds simple, but it's the thing is show them as much love as you possibly can. I'm telling you from experience because it's funny. Like I didn't realize the, the house I grew up in with my grandfather, we were like dirt poor. Um, the house was a mess all the time. Like grandmother was a hoarder. I didn't even realize, I didn't realize. I just knew I felt loved. I felt loved and your kids don't need more toys. That's not going to help them. They don't need like, Oh, they don't have a dad in their life. So they're good. No, the most important thing, whatever situation they find themselves in, as long as they feel loved and they're there, there's grace given to them that they're not treated as defective or they're not treated as, you know, and, and speaking things like, well, you're just not going to be like all the other kids. Cause you no listen, you love your children, love them. And the best way we can love them. And again, get little Whitney Houston here is the greatest <laughs> the love. Greatest love of I all. cannot love my children <laughs> properly. If I do not love myself, the greatest love is happening to me. I have to yeah, start with yeah. me. And I'm yeah, telling you, the right. more you love yourself, and I mean, really love yourself, like showing yourself grace, showing yourself mercy, uh, allowing yourself to be vulnerable, getting healed of your stuff. It is going to take such a, an enormous effect on your children because self-care relates to caring for others. And I'm going to throw my, my little Jesus statement in here too. God cares more about our wholeness than our holiness. If we get whole, then we will be holy. It's not the other way around. When And, and when Jesus went about everywhere he went, he healed people first and that led them to go away and sin no more. We have to start focusing on being healthy and whole before we can focus on being holy because God doesn't care about our holiness. He cares about our wholeness and wholeness means I have to get well. He wants me to be healed, mind, body, soul, and spirit. And the moment that we get that, that he really wants us to be whole and then the outward will come. It starts inside and then the outward will come. I can't just change my head. I can't just change behaviors on the outward. I can't be holy if I'm not whole. Listen, so yeah. get well. Maybe start waving a hanky and 
Well, yeah, you, you're trying to take us to church here, man. We're trying to wrap it up. You're trying to take us a whole nother two hours. We're trying to wrap it up here. I'll throw in a uh, You're about to, yeah. You're you We're not passing around the, uh, the, the, the plate right now. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> but no, Eric, I really want to thank you for being a guest. I really appreciate all of your insight that you gave us. Um, we thank you for your time and for being a part of the show. Um, and uh, we will uh, just want to wish you the best. So, yeah, man, we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later, dude. Awesome, right? Crazy craziness, oh, right? So many nuggets of truth, so many good things for our listeners to to take in and to take on. And to listen, I got to give up my bourbon now. You <laughs> I want to encourage our listeners, go to ericsito.com. Connect with that guy. He's local to Metro Detroit. Um, You know, he grew up, he was born in Detroit, grew up in Pontiac. I'm pretty sure he lives in Allen Park now. And so he's Mm -hmm. a Wayne County guy. He's Metro Detroit guy. Um, And I'm sure. Give it to him one more time. What's that? Oh, ericsito.com. Ericsito.com. Check it out. He said he's on the, on socials and all that, but I'm sure you can get to all of it from his website, but that's awesome, man. I feel like that was a really awesome encouragement for our dads to see someone kind of down their journey, down the road on the journey a little bit, you know, yeah. uh, not that he's ancient or whatever. He's got teenagers and he's got, you know, young adults and stuff, but, but to hear some of the things that we can do as young dads leading up to that, or if you're in that, some steps you can take to sort of impact. Dude, biggest part is take care of yourself. Yeah. Mind, body, mind, body, and soul. Take care of yourself. Take a break. Our society teaches us that we have to go and we have to have and we have to be to take time away from work. To to do one thing is to not do another. And it's as simple as that. It's this principle I've been I've been trying to internalize just just simply this to do one thing is to not do another to everything you uh, say you're saying no to something else. Yes. Well, you're saying no to multiple things and you're letting things go and it's okay, And it's for your benefit to say no. It's for your benefit to protect and be very, you know, guarded with your time and where you're putting your energy. Because I think the the part of the reason why we have these mental issues is because again, of this, of this idea of who we need to be versus who we are and dealing with ourselves as a whole being like that. The words that stuck with me were the whole being part of who you are. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people end up honestly being addicted to the drugs and being addicted to the alcohol and, and the adultery and everything else because they never get an opportunity to be themselves. They're like, this is who I'm supposed to be and I'm not that. So let me go find myself in a bottle. Let me go get that validation somewhere else because I'm not getting it uh, from where I need to. So let me go find it. And that's powerful stuff, man. So first guest of the season. That was yeah, dope. Very dope. So, wow. So, I think- so here's the deal. Every episode, we are going to try to throw something out there to help us. Like we today, our conversation was very focused on mental health, focused on our own mental health, on our children's mental health, how to have those conversations, how to navigate those waters, all that. Uh, we want to make sure that we're handling some of these big abstract ideas, right? And that we're talking through them. But we also want to make sure that we are giving our listeners a tangible resource to like aid them in dad life, aid them in fatherhood, to resource them to be the best dads they can be, right? I mean, that's something that's important to us this year and this season. And so that's what we're going to try and do. And so today, our resource that I want to share is really simple and it's totally free. And it's something that's super, super like exciting and adventurous. And it doesn't even cost you anything, which is so awesome. There is a Facebook group 
that you can join. All you have to do is have a Facebook account. You request to join their group. Um, I wrote it down. It's raising kids with a growth mindset. Raising kids with a growth mindset. It, that's the name of the group. Go into the search bar on Facebook, type in raising kids with a growth mindset. Basically, it's a group for parents and kids put on by the Big Life Journal. Quinn, are you familiar with the Big Life Journal? I have one. Yeah. So the Big Life Journal, and they do, they're the ones that do like the podcasts for the kids and the story times for the kids and all these different things. Well, in this group, I just want to highlight one of the posts that my family has done that we think is just the coolest thing ever. Uh, there's a post on there where you can put your child's information up, like not their information, but like their age, their interests, the things that they like to do, all that sort of thing. And um, and you can put, put your kids up and then you can browse all the different children, find someone that kind of links with your kid in the same interests and they can be pen pals. And so my 11 year old is a pen pal with a kid who is from Canada, but like Vancouver, Canada, which is like over Portland. Like we're from Metro Detroit, we're by Windsor, you know, Ontario, but he's over like on the west side of Canada. His mom is an Olympic skier, right? Wow, that's like, pretty crazy. And skiing, and he's got long hair and all the stuff. And so my son is my. Wait, does she have gold medals or anything? Silver medals. Yeah, Canadian, I don't know. right? I don't know. Does Canada win stuff in the? That's Olympics? what I said. Silver medals because America's no, number one. Canada, but let, let's be. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, he's a pen pal with him. My, my other son um, is a pen pal with a kid from Australia, which is super cool. They're both into skateboarding. They're both into like Pokemon and stuff. So they're, you know, pen pal about that kind of thing. And so it's a really cool opportunity for you as a parent to, first of all, sit down with your kid and share a common interest. You can teach them how to write. You can teach them how to, you know, respond and how this sort of communication thing works. It's totally free and it's an adventure. You get to figure out what's going on on the other side of the world with your kid from a kid that's the same age. And so, again, it's the raising kids with a growth mindset is the name of the group. Did you see it going that way? It was going that way. Yes, it's on the ticker below. See it? See it traveling? Raising kids with a growth mindset. Look that up on Facebook. Join the group. Get a pen pal. It's the coolest thing ever. It's a cool, free, easy resource for your kids to connect with other kids and for you to resource your kid and the whole deal. It's a tool that you can put in your dad tool belt to make life better, to make life easier. Absolutely. Well, Sam, I feel like we've come to the end of the road and I can't let go. Uh, It's unnatural. Sing it for me then. (laughs) I won't, but I will tell people where they can find us or you can help me tell people where they can find us. (laughs) It's all down here on the bottom. Yeah. So, hey, we want you to connect with us. We want you to find us and and to uh, be involved. This isn't meant to be a conversation just between the two of us and whoever our guests might be. So find us on Instagram at dad, the number two, the bone podcast and people out. That's what the eyes are for. Yeah. And then on Facebook at dad to the bone podcast. So uh, we do have a YouTube channel that is up, but I'm going to be real with you guys. We need more followers. Otherwise, you won't find us. So followers to get your personalized url so get on there like us subscribe give us thumbs up the whole deal yeah do do the two thumbs up thing because um for now what we're gonna have to do is put the link in the bio on our instagram and on our facebook that's how you're gonna find it you can also once you uh find it and once we share that link uh yeah tell a friend tell two friends so and at some point um rumor has it not not true though but maybe there'll be a contest maybe that won't we've done it in the past remember we gave away pistons tickets yeah, we did. We did that last time. Yeah. So like, 
subscribe, review with five stars. Talk hey. about the handsome guy with the glasses on and the beard. The bald one. Oh. <laughs> All right, guys. Sam, we're about to check out. You got any last words? Oh, man. Peace out. Excited about our next guest. Next episode, new guest, new conversation. It's going to be dope. Check it out. All right. Deuces. Peace.